Hi there. Um, it's been so long I'm ready to introduce myself again. I'm Dave Burse. I'm the guy who hosts that advertising podcast that you used to listen to. You know, yeah, 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 the irritating Scottish chat. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yep. Um, again, I'm going to start with some apologies. You may have a difficulty with the podcast recently. I'm afraid the, the geeky bit of code that talks to iTunes was broken for a few weeks. I tried to fix it myself, but clearly I failed miserably. So I got it fixed by the wonderful and generous Andrew Elia, who also hosts the podcast files for free on his own server, just because he's a great guy. Um, Andrew runs Arishi Media Technologies, who are software developers and experts in augmented reality. Just in case you need that kind of thing, they come with my own personal recommendation. So, back to this episode. This is a School of Communication Arts special. The school has been sponsored by Jack Martin, that's uh, Jack Martin Experiential Agency, not the business law professor at the University of Montana, although he's welcome to sponsor the school too. And to celebrate the agency's generosity, we'll be talking to the ever so lovely Tim Layton, their head of creative strategy. Following that, we'll be talking to Sir John Hegarty, who needs absolutely no introduction to people in Adeland. But before we hurtle headlong into our first interview, I want to let you know about a little flurry of podcasts that will be ricocheting along your ear canals in the next week or so. They're special edition podcasts for a project that I'm involved in called Assorted Nuts. It's a project that was started by top-notch photographer Julian Hanford, who's taken portraits of 50 top British creative legends. So we'll be previewing a few of the portraits at next week's DNAD 50th Anniversary Bash, And to coincide with this, I'll be bringing out five special episodes containing interviews with some of the creative heroes that we're featuring. And another one also where I chat to Jules. So, you lucky people, what a treat. And if you're going to be at the DNAD event, come and say hello to Jules and I. Jules is the tall one, I'm the little bald one. And we'd love to tell you more about the project. So, that's all the initial jibber-jabber done. Time for our first interview which takes place in a crappy coffee shop in a noisy railway station. And here's Jack Morton's head of creative strategy, the lovely Mr. Tim Layton. I'm sitting in the glamorous Paddington station on a wet Monday morning uh, with Tim from Jack Morton. Hello, Tim. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm delicious, thank you. <laughs> yes, of course you are. <laughs> um, I was wondering, can you first of all tell us a little bit about you and how you got into the industry and what you do? Right, OK. Well, my name's Tim Layton. I head up creative strategy at the London office of Jack Morton. Um, I got into this industry uh, by accident, uh, which uh, seems to be a very common story for, for the industry I'm in. Um, I uh, left university with uh, plans to do something exciting, vaguely media-ish, wasn't really quite sure what, what I wanted. Uh, I moved to London, of course, because that's what you do when you have those sort of aspirations, uh, and ended up um, temping. Temping for an agency, um, uh, and that agency was actually um, a forerunner to Jack Morton. It was an agency that became Jack Morton in the end, and I was literally started on the photocopiers, uh, which honed my skills at you know multiple copies and stapling and all that sort of thing, and unblocking photocopiers. Uh, but soon got to do other things, talking to people, and discovered a whole world of stuff that I just absolutely had no idea even took place, uh, which is this whole idea of creating 
what is now called brand experiences, but would have been called something else uh, then. Um, so I gained a little bit of an insight there. Someone I met there advised me to go for a job somewhere else in Soho, did that, loved it, had many good years there, and uh, then came back to uh, to Acton, yes, sunny Acton, uh, which is where Jack Morton's based, and uh, have been there for the last four years. Um, I started in a production role when I, you know, made it past the photocopying, obviously, which is um, hugely important and uh, influential, but... Um, started with a production role, I started, uh, you know, learning the sort of graft, as it were, of putting these, what are mainly events together, you know, and experiences together, uh, but then just migrated towards content, towards strategy, love the power of ideas, and, and now I'm in the role I'm in, and it's been sort of an evolution, but uh, yeah, love where I am. Well, start someplace, you go back again, that happened to me as well, first job I came down to in London was uh, Ogilvy one. And then the last job I did in London was Ogilvy One. <laughs> Many agencies in between. Virtuous circles. <laughs> Hopefully they're virtuous. I don't know. They're just circles, I think. <laughs> yeah. Just go round and round, you know. <laughs> so tell us more about Jack Morton. What is it that Jack Morton actually do and what's the whole brand experience thing about? Yeah, okay, so the million dollar question. So Jack Morton calls itself a brand experience agency. Um, and you might say to yourself, well, what does that mean? And, and isn't everything an experience, etc., etc." But what we're interested in doing is creating experiences for brands that allow people to interact with those brands, bring brands and people together. Um, I was interested to hear, you know, in a lot of the earlier podcasts, you know, people saying, oh, this notion of brand, you know, it's a bit overdone and what have you. And, um, you know, uh, just trying to solve brand problems won't solve everything. And, and, and I agree with that. I think what we're, what we're looking at is how we can use the power of brands to help people engage with them. Uh, with products, services, etc. We always look through everything through the lens of uh, what we say experiences, people and brands. You know, we live our lives through experiences, that, all these moments in time, and brands are part of that, you know, whether we like it or not. I'm not saying anybody wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh, I feel like a good brand experience this morning, but there's little experiences, all these touch points from, you know, the devices we have in our pockets, the retail experience, sometimes we go to festivals and so forth, or all sorts of the mundane stuff as well, but brands are part of that rich tapestry, and we're working with brands to try and help define their place in people's experiences and, and, and the roles they play. Everything from the people who work for those brands, you know, how do we get them excited about the experiences they're creating, understand the contribution they're making, right through to the experience itself and how it touches consumers or business customers, etc. We're trying to create that world in which brands can live and breathe and be part of people's lives. I guess rather than interrupting their lives, uh, and that's the that's the magic, isn't it? That's what we're going for. You might be able to hear there that the eight thirty-seven to Lord Dingle is seven <laughs> minutes late. Um, <laughs> now, w- could you give us some some more examples of the kind of work? Oh, here, here we go. Somebody's left their luggage. Um, c- could you give us more examples of how? Um, how that manifests itself. What's, what's some recent work that Jack Martin's done that you can tell us about? Okay. Um, well, for example, we do a lot of work um, for uh, technology brands at um, events like Mobile World Congress. So that's a huge uh, technology uh, convention, as it were. It takes place in Barcelona every year. Thousands and thousands of people coming along there. Uh, as the name suggests, it was built around the mobile industry, but it's now about a lot more. You've got people like Google, Android going there, um, all the major sort of phone companies, all the major operating systems, and there are lots and lots of business decision makers from people like Vodafone, O2, all those kind of people. 
we're basically shaping our lives for the future, you know, in terms of the technology we use, uh, the services we use, etc., etc. And so, for example, one of our clients, uh, a company called Ericsson, uh, who, you know, basically through their networks, most of the, you know, great proportion of the world's internet traffic goes. They have 6,000 square meters there. Uh, that they want to create a brand experience for their customers, the likes of, you know, the, the mobile operators and so forth, who are buying massive pieces of equipment, massive bits of technology, lots of consultancy and services, and they want to create an experience for them where they get to feel what it is to be part of Ericsson, understand what Ericsson stands for, see their latest insights into their technology and where they see the industry going. Uh, so over those 6,000 square meters, you're trying to create a really visceral brand experience that they can be part of, whether they're having a conversation, chilling out, looking at technology, whatever it might be. Uh, we've got to create that, and we've got to create that in a way that weaves together their digital lives, because of course, you know, half the time they're on their devices, as you'd expect. Um, half the time they're in the real world, sipping a coffee, having a chat. So we're trying to knit together this experience that takes place uh, in this space and beyond that space through digital channels uh, and help Ericsson to have conversations with the people that matter most to them, which are you know a few thousand customers that make all the difference in the world uh, to their business and to our lives. And you also do other events that are more... Sort of for, for all the consumers, where you, yeah. you've Jack Morton's been involved in doing like, opening ceremonies for Olympic Games and for um, New Year's Eve in London and things like that. Yeah. So, 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 with things so broad, from consumer experiences through to this more sort of tech thing at yeah. conferences, are you just packed with skills in there? Well, I mean, it's an, it's a really interesting question. I mean, so when you look at the range of briefs that we get in, like you say, anything from Olympic opening ceremonies through to actually quite small meetings and conferences and quite intimate occasions, you know, maybe 30 business leaders and some thought leadership event through to some of the biggest events the world ever sees, you kind of think, well, how the hell do we build an agency around that? How do we have the right skills in the building? When you're talking about creative, you know, again, creative people, I mean, what kind of a creative director do you need that is able to cope with that breadth of, of applications and, and, and experiences? And, and I guess the thing we've realised, and I guess we're all realising, is that actually, as long as a really powerful idea sits at the heart of that experience, whether it's for 30 people or a TV audience of 3 billion, as long as there's a really great idea that sits at the centre of that, that's what you need to build your skills around. That's what you want the creative talent around. That's what you want the people around, is wrapping themselves around an idea. And craft-wise, well, you know what? We've got a whole lot of talented people in the agency, but like any agency, you know, you've got to reach out all over the place to people who kind of do stuff that you've never done before or are interesting, doing interesting things with technology or uh, theatrical skills or amazing costumes or amazing lighting techniques or, you know, whatever, or dig interesting digital stuff that nobody's ever done before. You kind of need that skill base around the idea and understanding what it takes to get the idea off the ground, but then we've got to reach out in all, all sorts of places and all over the world. So... It's a, it's a challenging one, but it kind of means you meet something interesting, meet someone interesting every day, which is fantastic. We're always learning, always learning. And, and because the the creative skills that you're saying there and the importance of a, a big idea is that why you uh, you guys have get involved with the School of Communication Arts? Very much so. I mean, uh, we uh, we're relatively new uh, to meeting the School of Communication Arts and um, forming a relationship with them. We actually held a day last year where we got a whole load of the students in uh, to our place. Um, 
they got their moment of glamour in Acton um, and uh, we sort of you know talked to them a bit and probably bored them senseless and tried to give them an insight into the world we, we've uh, we've created um, but most importantly we gave them a bit of a task as well and she gave them one of our briefs that we were working on at the time and you know having had a little bit of a download from us they went off had a think about it and uh, came back with just the most incredible ideas. I mean, you're talking about people who didn't even know our industry existed a few hours beforehand, but they're all about the idea. They're trained, you know, every day to think about the idea, the power of the idea. They're optimistic, they're enthusiastic, and they came back with kick-ass ideas in a matter of hours, you know. And uh, when you see the power of what the SCA is doing there, um, you see their utter belief in coming up with brilliant media neutral ideas okay so there's a strong advertising influence in there obviously that's a lot of the heritage but they're very open to other industries that you know like ourselves like brand experience um, and you've got a bunch of people there who are absolutely focused on coming up with ideas and, and having fun with it and uh, why wouldn't you be involved with those people why wouldn't you want to tap into that why wouldn't you want to help nurture it uh, and ultimately you know hopefully get get something back from that so Absolutely, that's why we're involved with them because it's all about ideas. That's the power that we're trying to harness and uh, and bring into what we do. What is it you think that uh, yourself or staff within Jack Morton or the agency itself will actually get out of this? What 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 are the benefits of being involved with the school? I think we'll learn a lot. I mean, I think that's you know that's one of the main things. I think um, uh, you know the. When you're talking about the power of ideas, there's no ownership about that. No agency can contain that. Um, and interacting with other people and other people's ideas always, you know, enrich the whole process. And I, and I think when you when you look at people who aren't necessarily, you know, what it's like. You know, you grow up in agencies. You're, you're there for years. You become part of the agency world. You've kind of seen that, done that, got the T-shirt, and and you have a mental checklist of things that that will never work. And when you see people who are freed from that and don't have all that encumbrance of, of history, but just coming with fresh ideas, that really, you know, that really sort of removes those those terrible sort of um, scales from the eyes, and that helps you to see things a bit more clearly. But also, you know, hope will tap into some amazing talent that we can bring into our industry too. I think um, we'll learn from them. I hope they'll learn from us. But I hope that we can bring some of these people into our world. Of course, into Jack Morton. Uh, it's a talent war out there. Uh, we know that, and uh, unashamedly, we'd like to win as much of that talent war as we can. It's only people, isn't it? You know, agencies are only people. We've got no widgets. We don't have any magic formulas. Uh, so, very much hope that we can learn from these people, learn from what the SCA is doing, and bring, contribute, and bring some of that talent into into our world. Because I think we benefit from it hugely. And the majority, oh, nearly get hit by a pigeon there. <laughs> the majority of people, <laughs> the majority of people that uh, interview in the podcast come from a very traditional, usually advertising point of view, or from a digital uh, point of view. And this is the first time I've interviewed anyone who's not from that kind of part of the industry and, and coming in from an experience point of view. How do you see the industry progressing at the moment? Do you see issues at the moment? Do you see the industry heading in, in any particular direction or is there any advice you would have? What, what's your, your view of the future from where you stand? Gosh, from where I stand? Well, um, I, the, the industry, it's, I guess one of the hardest things is defining what the industry is. 
I mean, like you say, from my point of view, I'm not, I'm not an advertising professional. That's not been my world. I've admired it from afar, you know, and many of the people you've interviewed are legends in my world too. Um, but I think one of the hardest things is just defining what sort of an agency we need uh, going forward. We talk a lot about solving business problems. We talk a lot about the power of ideas. Uh, we talk a lot about a fragmented world of different channels and different media. And how do we help clients address that world? You know, because we're still, in many ways, in our silos. You know, albeit we're we're sort of breaking out here and there and chiselling our way uh, into different streams, different channels, different media. But actually, how do we really help our clients figure it out? Because it's it's hard, you know, and they're quite fragmented. I think, interestingly, you know, part of our uh, one of our issues every day is figuring out who to talk to in client organisations because one person's looking after brand, one looking, person's looking after marketing, another person's sort of got this special digital project that they don't quite know what to do with and they're all trying to work out how they work together and how they create a unified experience for their customers, for their consumers, for their influencers. Uh, and we in the industry have to do the same thing. We have to work out how we best fit together, how we apply our skills to help them solve those problems. And I think certainly from the industry I'm in, I can't speak for the whole industry, but um, I can barely speak over the station announcement, in fact. But um, we, you know, we've struggled to define ourselves. We've called ourselves various things over the ages. The word experiential has been one of those lovely sort of buzzwords that we've had, and now we've kind of landed more in brand experience. But we've got a duty to sort ourselves out and, and be talking clearly about why we address business problems, how we connect brands with consumers. Uh, and I think that's one of the, the biggest challenges, is helping to unlock this puzzle, this mess really, quite frankly, of fragmentation um, and understand the, the role that we can play in helping solve business problems. And then finally, for the students at the SEA and, and other young people thinking of getting into broadly the marketing communications industry, um, what advice would you have for these people who are sort of thinking about the industry at the moment? Gosh, um, am I in a position to give anyone advice? This is from the man who got into it all by accident, remember. <laughs> I think you can't, you can, you can do no worse than by being curious. I know that's the great, you, know, you expect that from someone who comes from a sort of planning strategy background. You know, we always talk about curiosity and the power of curiosity, but I do think that the more curious you are, the more questions you ask, you know, like D Dave Trott said in one of your earlier podcasts, you know, asking the stupid questions. Well, to me, asking the stupid questions is the cleverest thing you can possibly do. Uh, and I think always questioning what's going on around you. There's so much out there. I mean, when I think when I started in the industry, when probably you started in the industry, you know, finding stuff out and understanding what was going on in the world, having access to... Uh, influential thinkers and so forth was it was a difficult process there weren't really any channels by which you could do it other than the standard kind of trade press but now you know there are podcasts uh, brought to you by Dave Burst and the like and there's so much out there that you can access you can watch TED you can look at the blogs look at the podcasts you can visit so many rich exhibitions you know these little devices phones and tablets you know give you access to a myriad of stuff and I know it's a cliche, but the more of that you can suck up, be curious about, write about, engage with, I just think you're just in such a good place by absorbing all that and, and taking it in. The brain does a lot of the work for you, you know. It's so interesting the way the brain connects stuff up and, and makes it happen for you, but you've got to feed it. And I think curiosity just gets you everywhere in this industry now, because if you're curious, 
you're wanting to come up with ideas, you're wanting to ask the questions and ask the dumb questions. Uh, and that, uh, that curiosity, as I think, is the skill that we all need to hone. And those of us in the industry need to bear that in mind too. We need to stay curious and stay hungry and stay focused on ideas. A wonderful place to end. Plus, plus you, you, you've also kind of covered off what's the first chapter in my book <laughs> about creativity. So, Tim Layton, thank you so much indeed for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Dave. So, well done, Jack Martin, for sponsoring the School of Communication Arts. If your agency isn't sponsoring the school already, they really should be. And uh, <clears throat> smugness alert, I don't think I've told you that I was voted the school's mentor of the year last year. And with over 500 mentors, that must make me pretty freaking awesome. In fact, it means that I was voted ahead of our next guest, who is also a mentor at the School of Communication Arts, which takes my level of smugness up just a few more notches, because here is the amazing, the visionary, the legendary Sir John Hegarty. I'm sitting in the lovely BBH offices here with Sir John Hegarty. Hello, John. Hi there. Good to see you. Is it all right for me to call you John or Sir John? You can. It's John. (laughs) (laughs) Now... We're both involved in the Shark Awards as well, and a, a few months ago um, it was pointed out to me that you tweeted, which business are we in? If you think it's advertising, you're in the wrong era. So what business are we in? Well, uh, I, th- I think there's, uh, we're in the communications industry, we're in the brand building industry, uh, and I think it's very important that we understand that we don't get locked into just thinking in terms of pure advertising, because what you can now do in terms of communication is so broad that uh, we've got to understand that we're bigger than just that. And that's a real opportunity for for agencies like us. Yes, we can use advertising as a shorthand, but the huge danger in any industry is that you keep viewing it in a very, very narrow way. And if you look at businesses that fail, it's because they don't see the breadth of what it is they could be offering and what they could be doing. So, yes, we are in the advertising industry, but there's a huge danger in just thinking about it as pure advertising or advertising as we used to know it, say, 15, 20 years ago. So, as the media options have exploded uh, in the last 15, 20 years, do you think that we need a different kind of creative idea to deal with this? Well, I... You know, I've got a, a point of view which says, you know, people talk about media neutrality or a, a media neutral idea. I don't. I think that's nonsense. I think that's absolute bullshit. An idea can't be neutral. It's it's a, it's an idea. It has a point of view, and it has a point of view about where it's going to be expressed. It has to start somewhere. Uh, you don't have a you know an idea doesn't occupy a vacuum. Uh, it fills a vacuum. It becomes a vacuum, but it needs a medium with which to communicate itself. So you have to have a prejudice. What's your prejudice? I mean, uh, you know, some people it's kind of, you know, utilizing certain types of technology. I mean, I have a prejudice. I love television. I love TV ads. I think they're genius. I think they're brilliant. Uh, And that's where my, my kind of ideas start. But it doesn't mean to say they have to start there. They could start elsewhere. So I think, um, you know, uh, uh, having a point of view, having a prejudice, is fundamentally important. Now, are today's creatives, do you think, equipped with the right skills to work across the breadth of media that we have, or is there some more education there needed? Well, it's an interesting question, that, because I've always thought it's quite 
surprising really that we expect an art director or a writer or whatever you want to call yourself to be able to write a TV ad, then be able to do a brilliant poster, then be able to write a brilliant print ad, then be able to do a radio commercial. I've thought that was, I've always thought that was slightly sort of, you know, pushing it, uh, if I can use that expression. And now with the explosion of, of, of media, we're expecting them to do even more. And in a way, uh, I go back to my point about having a prejudice. I, I, I think you've got to decide, in a sense, what do you like? And that's where you'll start your ideas. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, Shakespeare was a playwright. You know, he didn't write books. He wrote plays. Um, Picasso was a painter. You know, he, that's what he did. I paint pictures. You know, he didn't do sculpture. You know, he did a bit of ceramics. But, you know, and I think in a way... To be a master of something is fundamentally important, and I and I sort of think as long as you you, you master something that's never going to go out <laughs> go out of uh, uh, out of fashion or going to be eclipsed by some piece of media, then I think in a way I I kind of want people to be I, I'm I think that we should be more specialist in a world that become generalist. I think we want more specialists, and then we'll get other people when the ideas being created we'll get other people to kind of go now this is where it, how it works here this is how it works there you know i think you know you look at sort of you know walt disney or something and and they made animated films and now they make live action films but then they took their characters into comics then they took their characters into you know uh, 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 disneyland and all of those things they didn't do it all at once. They started somewhere, and it was just a brilliant idea. It naturally spread into all these other places. And they got specialists to come in and go, right, now how do we do this? How do we, how do we build a kind of, how do we build Disneyland? How do we do it? How do we engage with people? So I, I think we are in a world where we're expecting people to do more and more and more stuff. And I think in doing that, we're getting less and less good work. You know, Steven Spielberg makes movies. He doesn't suddenly go. Well, I might do a play. I might do. No, he makes movies. That's what he's. That's what he does. Yeah. Now, you talk about integrity and openness in your book about being vital ingredients of brand communications in the future, and it's already becoming important today. So, surely this is an attitude that has to come from the whole organisation, not just from marketing departments. So, this, I suppose, would be a question about clients. How can and should this be addressed by the advertising industry and the marketing industry in general? Well, I think you know it's it's very important that we are we have to we are a conduit for our clients to talk to their consumers. That's that's part of what we are. We're, we're a connection between their audience and and what they make. They also have a connection, obviously, through their products. But it's our duty. It's to say to our clients, look, you know. You, you, you've got to be absolutely truthful. You've got to be open. You've got to act with integrity. Uh, and it's to remind them of this and to sort of say how important it is. Um, because we're their advisors, you know, and we sometimes have to give, tell them things they don't want to hear. But increasingly, we, we've always lived in a world, really, where integrity and truthfulness has been important, but more so today than ever before. Because you can be found out so easily. You also talk about the fact that things are moving a lot faster uh, these days <clears throat> and brands are living in increasingly dynamic and real-time environments yet when it comes to from brief to broadcast it takes months it takes uh, committees it takes research it takes interminable meetings um, 
are there changes that we need to make to be able to keep up with the faster paced world? Well, I think you're, everybody's trying to shorthand every, every part of the process of creating an idea and, and communicating. I think you have to, I think today, like, like lots of things, you have to operate at a, a number of speeds. I don't think there is one speed. I don't think that, you know, the world has kind of, in a sense, become more complex uh, in that way. But I still think that lots of those old things about give an idea time, allow it to develop, you know, some things I can't speed up. You know, I can speed up production. I can, you know, we can take uh, endless meetings out of the process and things like that to get it. But actually, having an idea still takes time. You know, it still takes a, a, a degree of thought. Uh, uh, it takes inspiration. It takes all the things. And there's only so much we can do about speeding that process up. And And I think if you look at, certainly here in the UK, we are suffering because we're not putting the time into uh, making the ideas that are great. And and it's not my view, there's empirical evidence to say the quality of our output has gone down. That's not me, it's not an opinion, it's empirical evidence from the audience that we're talking to. That they view the quality of what we're making as going down. Now, I don't know any other industry in the world that thinks the solution to their problem is to make a worse product. I, I can't think of any industry that would go, that is, that is the route to, to, to kind of success. So we have to look at what we're producing. We have to look at what we're doing and say, how can we make it better? And speed isn't necessarily the answer. In the end, I want it right. And we've got to resist. And it comes a moment we have to say to clients, no, it's how long it takes. Uh, of course everybody wants it tomorrow. Of course I'd love it, you know, instantly. Of course, you know. But some things don't happen like that. Now, when I started in the industry 20 years ago, the industry was still quite glamorous. It was still lots of people. It was still television time, and, and uh, people would watch the TV all together, the X-Files, 8 p.m., Thursday night, and then talk about it all the next day. And as things have changed, um, I th people have lost their love of advertising. Cause people used to say that advertising was the best stuff on television. And that doesn't seem to really be the case now. Is there anything we can do to get people's love of advertising back to actually add value to people? Well, make a better product, <laughs> isn't it? The, 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 by and large, the product's shit. Um, so, of course, people aren't watching it. Why would I watch shit? You know, I mean, I think that people are very, very simple. They, they like good stuff. And if it's not good, they don't watch it, whether it be a TV programme, whether it be a movie, whether it be a, a reading a book, a magazine or whatever, or a TV ad. I think people like great stuff. Our industry has got to realise that the quality of what it's producing is not good enough. Make it better. Yeah. So in your book, you also make a proposal to change the, the everyday hierarchical office structure to something more akin to a club. Um, can you tell us more about that and, and any changes that you've made in BBH to, to turn BBH into that kind of environment? Well, I've, uh, there are a couple of things, really. I mean, I think if you look at the history of the office over the last 50 or 60 years, you see the, the humanising of the office. You, you see the desire to make it a place people want to go to, that will enjoy, will be able to interact with people. And I think if you put that alongside the fact that people want to have a more fulfilling life, they don't necessarily want to go into an office every day. They don't necessarily want to keep doing that same job day in, day out, 
week in, week out, year in, year out. I think we have to think about more um, flexible structures. I mean, we're already doing that with flexible time. and But I think to turn it into an advantage rather than just, you know, keep the office going as it is and say, you know, um, yes, of course, you can take time off and all of those things that, that we know people would like to actually say, well, maybe we should rethink the whole structure. Maybe it should be more like a club. Maybe it's open, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a place where people want to go to. They enjoy being there. They get stimulated by being there. And that, you know, we function, it runs and it functions by a core group of people who run it. But we have many more people coming and going, people who come and go and say, I might only want to work three months of the year because the other nine months I want to take off going around the world or painting or writing film scripts or doing whatever they want to do and I, without having to leave, without disconnect. I mean, we've lost so many good people, not because they wanted to go to another agency, but they just simply said, look, I want to do some other things. I want to grow as an individual. Well, if we if we looked at a more um, fluid structure um, that would say to them, right, you, you're with us, you're on a retainer, uh, that retainer pays you a minimum wage, uh, and then when you want to work, we pay you extra. So you make a decision. How much money do I want? What do I want to do? Uh, in a way that, that it, it works differently for lots of different people. So we don't have everybody on a kind of salary, uh, everybody treated in the same way. We say different people will work in different ways. And I kind of use the club not because, hey, everyone's going to sit around drinking coffee and drinking, but, but a clubs are places that people are stimulated by being there. That's why you go there. You meet people. You get to know people. And it, it means that many more people can be a part of the club. Many more people can join in. You can have you know, more interesting and stimulating conversations. Um, and the whole process will become more rewarding. Of course, you can argue and you look at me and go, well, how's that going to work? Who's going to do the client meeting? But if there are a core group of people running it, which what a club does, then it, it possibly might work. I mean, I know it sounds a bit blue sky, but I'm just trying to get people to think differently. Yeah. I, I'd agree. I found that as well working in agencies that there's some people just don't suit the the hierarchical environment that's there and and the demands that are there i, I certainly was one who didn't fit into into that i had to go it's <laughs> a shame you know why did you have to go why didn't somebody say to you well look do it in a different way you know i, I you don't have to come in every day but you can come in and work on projects you you will work with different people on things and you know you'll work on specific tasks yeah now we're both mentors at the School of Communication Arts, and BBH are also a legend sponsor. Um, the school at the moment is looking for more sponsors. Why do you think agencies should get involved with the school? Well, I mean, first of all, the success of our industry is, is based on, on people, on talent. That's fairly obvious. Um, I think that the future uh, of our industry is going to be based on the ability to get more talented people into uh, advertising. That's going to sustain London as a centre of excellence in creating work. So, it, you know, it's a simple kind of survival strategy. If we don't get better people coming into the industry, a more diverse group of people coming into the industry, our industry will gradually shrink uh, and other centres will take over. We don't have 
volume as an opportunity. We're a country of 60 million people, so national clients are going to be few and far between. London is going to survive because it, 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 global clients come to London to get their creative work. Therefore, the industry as a whole investing in better people from differing backgrounds, uh, different uh, uh, classes, different you know ethnic backgrounds, is fundamentally important. A place like the School of Communication Arts helps and guides that, uh, and that's why it's so important to us. Now, I've I've been asking people if they've got any questions for you, and I've got some questions here. Some of them are from the students Great. themselves. So. From Martin Heaton, who's one of the students at the school, he asks, what's the most exciting campaign you've seen outside of BBH in the last year? Ooh, most exciting campaign. That's always very, very difficult. You've caught me on the hop there. I'll have to think about that one, Martin. Um, I'm not seeing, actually, a huge amount of, of, of work that I I love. Um, and, I, and I think it's uh, a great shame. I mean... A piece of advertising, and we've all seen it, uh, is for John Lewis, which I think has been particularly successful. Uh, we've all talked about that. Uh, the use of the Morrissey track, um, I think that's really good. I wish BBH had done it. I kind of call this X-Factor advertising now. It's a sort of spectacular that talks to everybody. and It's a different form of advertising in a way. It's populist advertising, and I think we should be very proud of it. Um, that's the best thing. Uh, I've seen um, but you know it, it. I go back to my point we've got to do better better work, we aren't seeing enough great work Simon Jensen who's also at the school he's asked uh, who is your biggest inspiration and why well I suppose the, the, the uh, I've never actually looked to people I've looked more to, to ideas I've always been inspired by ideas I, I always say you know, you'll, you'll get let down by people in some way or another. Sadly, that's a terrible thing to say in some ways, isn't it? But I've always been inspired by ideas. Ideas rarely let you down. Uh, and obviously, for me, seeing the original Volkswagen work out of uh, Dalden Burbank in the 60s was particularly inspirational. Uh, I, I love that work. I love the attitude. I love the, the, the wit, the audacity of it. Yet, it included people. It was broad. It captured you. So really it's ideas that have uh, uh, enamoured me uh, and that I've been impressed by. Yeah. Um, Harsh Sevdas, who's also at the school, said, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, the best piece of advice I ever received was a piece of advice I got very, very early on. is don't chase the money, chase the opportunity. And I've seen more creative careers collapse because creative people have eventually chased the money, gone to the wrong kind of agency, uh, no longer surrounded by really great creative people that help spur them forward uh, and have therefore seen their careers uh, uh, burn and crash. Yep. We've all seen that, I think. <laughs> um, Imogen Weatherhead, who's also at the school, says, um, how do you think the School of Communication Arts can better prepare its students to save advertising in the future? Well, it can encourage you to, 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 to be absolutely daring in your ideas, uh, to create ideas that really, really uh, capture uh, the audience's imagination uh, and aren't timid in their expression. 
And on Twitter, Samuel Palin asked, uh, did you consciously go into business with people with hilarious surnames? <laughs> no, you find yourself suddenly with these people around you. A friend of mine described it as, as, as uh, when we set up Bartle Burgle Hegarty, he said it's, it's like hearing somebody fall down the stairs and finding Hegarty at the bottom, uh, which I thought was very good. No, it is funny, isn't it? I, I think actually when you put three names together, they usually are very very odd of course i can i can actually it's more than three obviously you know everybody probably knows the initials bbdo but i i know the uh, it's batten barton durstein and osborne now that's pretty uh, that's a pretty good one although that's four names obviously but um TBWA is even worse, yeah tragos bonange wiesendanger and aroldi no wonder we went <laughs> but let's could just call it tbwa really we will never cope with that one certainly outside uh, outside of france which is where it was started in paris in 1970 um but it is funny isn't it yeah i quite quite like the fact that actually now of course here we just say bbh <laughs> we shorthanded it <laughs> And there's a, some young whippersnapper upstart called Billy Mahwinney oh, no. um, asked uh, wh- where you buy your ever young tablets. <laughs> Billy's got the same got the same supplier. <laughs> you should know. And uh, Damien Parsonage on Twitter asked, um, "What's to blame for the industry going all shit?" Well, I think it, you know it's a very it's a very good question, and I think it's we've fallen in love with technology. Uh, rather than uh, technology being uh, uh, the the sort of uh, slave of the idea. I think there's a very good way of thinking about this. You know, technology inspires creativity. Creativity challenges technology. And I think what we've done over the last 10 or, or so years is we've, we've, we've fallen in love with the technology. Instead of going, what, what can this allow me to do? What will this let me to do? And... In doing that, we, we've lost the ability to convince people. We've confused um, persuasion with promotion. I see a lot of things which are just promotional ideas that everybody's saying, isn't this genius, isn't this brilliant? You go, it's a good promotional idea. Remember, our industry is about persuasion. Persuasion's fantastic, as long as you do it with truth and with integrity and all the things that I've talked about. It's fantastic. Get back to that persuasion it's the most fantastic thing in the world yeah there's uh, there's a great uh, phrase i heard recently is that technology is the word we use for the things that don't quite work yet <laughs> and, and i think there's an amazing truth in that because tv is no longer technology yeah. <laughs> um i've got so, some more here um do you believe advertising can make the world a better or a worse place well, I fundamentally believe that, that used in the right way, advertising is a, a huge force for good. Um, but like any industry, you know, is the car industry making the world a better or worse place? Uh, is journalism making the world a better or worse place? You know, we're going through a whole investigation here in phone hacking and in the way the journalists have behaved. Not all journalists, I hasten to add. So it... it, it depends on how you approach it uh, if you approach it because you want it to be great then I think the outcome will be great if you approach it in a very cynical way then the outcome will be very cynical but like any industry you know, it's how you use it John, Sir John, thank you very much indeed for your time, that was wonderful David, a real pleasure 
you know, I'm still so chuffed that I got to interview Sir John Hegarty. He's a true hero of mine. And remember, you'll be hearing from even more heroes in the next few days, so make sure you keep your iTunes fired up or whatever podcasty thingy you use. So that's all from me. I'll maybe see you at the DNAD 50th anniversary shindig. Bye for now. The Future of Advertising podcast is brought to you by Additive, the marketing industry's most inspiring training company. Find out more about our talks, workshops and inspiration sessions at getadditive.com and get one third of your first booking by joining our mailing list. Shh, keep it yourself.